0: Welcome to Ask Floss. I'm so happy that you're here to join me. For those of you that might be new, this is the place where you can ask me anything. Okay, here we go with your first question. Do you like olives? Yes, I fucking love, love olives. Um, particularly the ones that are stuffed with garlic. Like a whole clove of garlic. Not the best thing to eat before a date, but they're delicious. Okay, next question. Is it emotional abuse if it's unintentional? Well, this is the thing, a lot of people, um, narcissists, controlling people, manipulators, they don't know what they're doing intentionally. It's how they've literally always been. And guess what? They're just as fucking harmful. It doesn't matter if someone knows they're doing it or not. It matters that they're fucking doing it. There are so many relationships I've seen uh, my friends get into where the emotional abuse is excused because the person has a mental health uh, problem and they kind of feel tied to the person someone having a mental health issue may explain the abuse but it does not excuse it and you do not have to stick around uh and endure abuse because of someone else's pain that is nothing like no bell hook says love and abuse cannot coexist and that is just the most simple gorgeous way of explaining it yeah okay on to the next question Floss, do you have any advice? I have a lot of rage towards men without a specific reason and I don't know what to do about it. I can imagine that the reason you feel a lot of rage towards men is because of uh, maybe a recent understanding of how se- how, how global sexism is. Um, that's what it was for me anyway, a few years ago. I would, I've would i said this so many times in interviews, but like I wouldn't even listen to the opinion of my dad because he was a white man and it just got so ridiculous because he is such a wise person and has so much insight. And it took me a while to get back to that gorgeous medium in the middle where you start actually thinking for yourself again. I think we can go so far the other way. I spoke about this in my episode with Aisha Akambi on how we almost overcompensate for years of not knowing this stuff or rather just allowing ourselves to feel this rage. I think a lot of the times women suppress our pain. We suppress... Uh, are hurt. And so once we untap that little well inside of us, it just all comes spilling out. So I just want to say, I totally understand where you're coming from. And as long as, you know, you can just, I find that humor helps me deal with that kind of stuff. I allowed myself to be a, a massive misandrist with my friends, just over drinks, just chatting shit about men, making jokes about it. And then eventually, you just kind of get it out of you. There are so many healthy ways to deal with rage and you don't have to, you don't have to take, you don't have to endorse those feelings. You don't have to take action with those feelings, but you can feel them, talk about them with your friends. And I'm sure other people will feel the same as you too. Okay, on to the next question. I used to have a really toxic relationship with the Kardashians and the Jenners. I've blocked them on everything, but it's impossible to escape the way they talk about weight and money and success, and it gives me this gut-wrenching feeling. My friends say to just embrace them, but what do you think I should do? Continue to block or find other ways of dealing with it. Of course, continue to block them. You do not need to just embrace the the Kardashians into your life. I understand it is almost like an assaultive energy, isn't it? Because they're everywhere. You can't escape them because they're on every news outlet. Whatever. Um, I'm really that that sucks. At, um, their content makes you feel that viscerally in your gut. I know exactly the feeling you're talking about. I don't get it when I look at their content, but I've had it. I've had that feeling before. So I know what it feels like in your body and it's it's not very nice. So no, continue to block them. Continue to block them and find friends who don't have a clue who the, who the Kardashians are or what they're up to. Uh, that'll probably be, probably be really refreshing to you. I don't follow, I don't think I follow any of the Kardashians or the Jenners. But yeah, it's like they're almost like the second kind of royal family of like pop culture, aren't they? So you can't really escape them. I imagine that's really hard. But yeah, just continue blocking them and live your fucking life. They, Put it this way, put it bluntly. They don't know you. So don't let it, don't allow them, don't allow your friends to be like, embrace them. You do not have to embrace strangers on the internet who make you feel bad. Absolutely, you do not. Actually, also, do you think the Kardashians would like to know that they're making you feel like shit. Probably not. I'd like to think so. Okay, on to the next question. Hey, Floss. Okay, so I want to know if engaging in rough heterosexual sex as a woman is an inherently anti-feminist act. Does it only feel hot because you know you're adhering to the male gaze? I can't tell you how you feel in your own body. Um, If you feel electrifyingly, tantalizingly on the edge of your seat, fucking hot, in rough sex. Who am I to tell you that that is wrong? Honestly. Enjoy it. Get your life. And I, I the more that this show goes on, you'll notice my tone just kind of changing into this. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, I think it's really important to analyse these things if they're harmful to us, if we don't feel like we're actually enjoying them and we're just pretending to enjoy them because that's what our partner wants. Um, but if that's what you want, then that's what you want and you just shouldn't feel shameful about it. Okay, on to the next question. Do you have some advice for someone trying to find their writing medium? So um, I, t- to other people, my jump from nonfiction to fiction might seem quite uh, abrupt, but I have been journaling and creating almost like this inner monologue in my own tone since I was about 15 years old when I was writing in my journal, And also that helped me with nonfiction because it meant I got better at articulating my thoughts and my feelings. People think that you need to have like an article published or in this place or this place to be able to write stuff. You don't. You can just write in your own little world. You can write in your journal and you just become better at talking about your feelings. If that's something you want to do, I've been able to use my now very articulate way of being able to talk about feelings and use them to describe the characters in my book because you have to be able to dive deep into emotions that you felt before to be able to really convey them on a page that's that's probably been the most exciting thing for me about writing fiction is you know that the events aren't autobiographical but the feelings are you know you have to go to the depths of your sadness the time you were most horny to be able to write that sex scene like you really have to take yourself there and writing and keeping a journal. That's just my biggest thing. And I'm probably sounding like a broken record right now. But yeah, writing and keeping a journal. Um, Most of my friends have now started keeping a journal because I because of me because I started them and they wanted to start one as well. So and and they all love it is my point. (laughs) They all love it. They enjoy it. It helps you really reflect on your life, looking back at your life a year from now as well. So yeah, I would say start journaling and find what you like doing. I'm sure there are some online courses that you can do to help give you some kind of creative briefs. Um, I've started doing this thing on my Instagram where, because I used to just make like little dancing videos on my stories. And then one day I was like, oh, this kind of looks like a scene. Let me make up a funny scene. And now this is something that I just really love doing, creating scenes based on what outfit I'm wearing or whatever's going on in the video. It's almost like I miss those kind of briefs that you get at art college where Or school where the teacher says do this do this and then you just do something that you would have never done because you've been prompted in a way that you've never been prompted before so maybe try and find some online prompts that could be really fun okay on to the next question i was out with some friends and got felt up a lot in the club guys grabbing and pinching and trying to make me dance with them i felt uncomfortable and was upset and i complained about it afterwards my best friend's boyfriend said what do you expect I was so angry and now want nothing to do with him because he insinuated that I was asking for it. But I feel so awkward now because I have to live with him and my friend next year. My friend also wasn't angry at him and now I resent her. What do I do? Do I say something or just let it go? Please say something. So I, it feels like I'm literally reading about my own life. You know that this was the birth of my Instagram account. This exact fucking interaction. So... I was in a club, I was dancing, outside. I don't smoke. And I was outside in the smoking area with my friends while they were just having a cigarette, dancing. And my tits were jiggling. And the security guard of the club shouted down at me in front of a line of men who were queuing up to get in. Um, and he said, oi, jiggly tits. And everyone in the queue stared at me. And I felt, it was like a public shaming because everyone was staring at me, pointing at me, laughing at me. And this is the guy who's supposed to, like, be responsible for the welfare of everyone in the club. And no one did anything. Literally no one did anything. And none of my friends really cared. Um, It was just a load of bollocks. It's a load of crap. And I couldn't believe that all this stuff was happening. And then so I made illustrations about sexual harassment on Instagram. And then that is how everything starts snowballing for me. I channel that rage into something I believe you should channel this rage uh into communicating get your thoughts together tell them how you feel um and also they are going to say more and more annoying stuff uh my brother actually said to me what did you expect to happen you had a low cleavage t-shirt on um, I've had all of that stuff and it, li- it made me cry uh, I shouted at him I told him to fuck off and it really annoyed me it is annoying that you're going to be moving in with these people soon. And I definitely think that before you do that, you need to clear this up. Otherwise, it's going to brew into extreme resentment around the house. And it's, you're going to be kicking yourself wishing that you'd send something sooner. So good luck with that. Okay, on to the next question. I've had a threesome with my boyfriend and another girl. I'm now falling in love with a girl. What do I do? Oh, shit. Uh, are you into non-monogamy? Um so funny cuz this is kind of not trying to give it away but like the plot of my book. <laughs> this is so funny. Um yeah, you're falling in love with the other girl. Okay. Um You're going to have to tell your boyfriend because you cannot cheat on your boyfriend because then you become the bad person, okay? And at the moment, you're just someone who engaged in a consensual threesome, and now you've got these feelings. I think you need to tell your boyfriend how you feel if he's open to non-monogamy, and if you are, and if the girl is, then give it a crack. If it's not, then you make the choice about if you still want to be with him. doesn't sound like you don't love your boyfriend, though. It sounds like you love them all. Yeah, it sounds very overwhelming. Um, Good luck with that, but really, really I think you need to tell your boyfriend. Okay, on to the next question. Hey, Floss, I have a bisexual sex question for you. I'm 25 and have just ended a six-year relationship with a woman. While previously identifying as a lesbian, I'm coming to terms with my bisexuality, but I've never had sex with a man before. I feel so fetishized in heterosexual dating spaces, and so many men I've spoken to, including doctors, have implied that I am a virgin. For never having penis and vagina sex. How do you go about having sex with men where they can be so fetishizing and dismissive of sexual experiences between women? Should I be scared of having sex with cis men if I haven't before? Thank you." No, you shouldn't be scared of having sex with men, but I would just say that um, there are... Don't think that you just need to have sex with a man to say you've had sex with a man, to confirm your identity, and also to get rid of this whole weird thing that people have about if you've never had a penis inside you, uh, then you're a virgin. There are going to be queer men. There'll be bisexual men. There will be feminist men out there. Um, There will be good men who do not view you this way. And you will not have to put up with that shit. And you are, I think Erica Storm said this in my episode, um, you're the gatekeeper of your own pussy. Like you have your own rules around your pussy. You have boundaries around your own pussy. Um, so you do not have to have sex with men who are dismissive of the experiences of you and other women and people who make you feel like you're a virgin. You don't have to have sex with fucking anyone. You don't have to have sex with any man that doesn't make you feel comfortable um, until you find someone who does respect your experiences when you did identify as a lesbian. Okay, on to the next question. Please, can you suggest three to five books that you're so glad you read? Okay. It's random and just completely not not something I might... No, I probably should read it today, to be honest. Uh, It's called The Little Book of Mindfulness, and I am so certain that that book changed my life and led the domino effect to being the person I am today, despite me not being very mindful uh, anymore since I moved to London. The Little Book of Mindfulness, it's like, I don't know, like a 10 centimetre by 10 centimetre pocketbook with a gorgeous little canvas cover. It really helped me get through bullying in high school. Um, I learned a lot of techniques about how to deflect energy and I, I laid in the middle of a field when I was about 14, 15 and that to me was the most embarrassing thing that I could have ever done because there were girls from my school at the park. And I just laid in the middle of the field. And because the book was like, do something that scares you. So I did that. And that changed my fucking life. And I could honestly cry even thinking about it. Little old floss in the park, <laughs> in the sun, feeling like my life was about to change. And it did. So that book, The Little Book of Mindfulness, um, completely changed my life. Um, another book, Sapiens is a really good one completely changed how I view the world, the structures that we exist within, the the history of humanity, uh, kind of brings it back to basics, which I really loved, the book Sapiens. Another book I'm really, really, really glad I read. Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. That changed how I view creativity and made... I basically like romanticize my stress now. If I have a deadline, (laughs) I'm just like, ooh... Will I reach the deadline? Oh, who knows? How interesting. What a way to keep the spice of life going on. I kind of view things that things that I can't control, right? Instead of getting stressed about them, I tend to romanticize them. And part of that is down to uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. So I recommend all of those books. Um, but again, they might not do it for you, but they did it for me.
1: You may have heard of the podcast, Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is?
0: what's been the most defining moment for you? Very broad question. So I'll go with career, And that's obviously publishing my first book, Women Don't Know You Pretty. Also, yeah, one of the most defining moments in my life is meeting my uh, book agent a few years ago, Abigail Bergstrom. Love her forever and ever. And my editor, Romilly Morgan, just the incredible women in my life who like the quiet people in the background, who just pushed me to be my best. I love the women in my life. So yeah. And also my mum. Love my mum. Love my mum to bits. Being able to lean on my mum, FaceTime her. Just surrounded by lots of brilliant women. Another defining moment for me was moving to London. Oh my god. Moving to London. Best decision I ever made. Okay, on to the next question. How do I come out to my work colleagues when they're always, when they've always assumed I'm straight? You don't have to come out to them. But if you would like to, maybe come out to a trusted and safe person that you find as like more of a work friend. Also, sometimes not everyone is surprised. I thought that I looked and came across as the straightest person ever, but then when I came out to some of my friends, they weren't that surprised. My mum was the most surprised person, but sometimes people... Sometimes the people in your life aren't surprised and people see different sides of you as well. They've only seen the professional side of you. Maybe you don't talk about your dating life. Um, yeah, people, you'll be, you will be you. might be surprised to see how many people aren't surprised. Okay, on to the next question. Where did you get the F ring and where is your pearl necklace from? So my F ring is Gucci and my pearl necklace is Vivian Westwood. Although the clasp is a little bit dodgy on it, um, on the necklace, it kind of, it comes off a lot. Okay, next question. Hey there. So I've been feeling really insecure about myself, my sexuality, being too much. And so because of this, whenever anyone, I mean anyone has shown any interest, I've let them decide every part of our relationship, sexual or otherwise. Is there any way I can get better at working out if I'm seeking validation or if I'm actually attracted to them? Thank you and sending love. Okay, I would take it slowly. That's the way to know. I've learned this as well myself um, after coming out of my relationship a few years ago taking dates slowly and allowing yourself to set boundaries. So um, even if it's like allowing yourself to have certain rules, you don't tell to the other person like, oh, you can't come home after three dates or whatever. Um, I don't want to have sex before this time, whatever. whatever. It doesn't even have to be a sexual boundary, anything. Just set a kind of boundary and that way you'll get to know if the person's really in it for you um, or if they're in it for, I don't know, it sounds like you've said you've been in some controlling situations that doesn't sound too good so yeah I would just suggest to see if you're seeking validation or if you're actually attracted to them take it slow because the first initial stages of liking someone they can be really nerve-wracking and some people call that initial love bombing stage like temporary insanity when you really like someone um, and you almost like can't you feel like you you feel weak you feel really vulnerable and you feel like overcome with attraction and desire so uh, yeah I would just say take things slowly Okay, next question. What are your thoughts on using mainstream pornography to masturbate? Do you think it's damaging? Is it disrespectful to choose it over having sex with your partner in a relationship? It's not disrespectful to choose it over having sex with your partner. I think I'm of the belief that everyone watches porn unless they have some kind of like really strict rule about it. I know most people in my life watch porn. And yes, of course it can be damaging. But if you, I feel like if you watch something like, for example, men who don't think about this stuff who watch violent porn, I read somewhere that it just needs to get more and more and more violent for them to be able to get off. I think it's really damaging uh, for men in that way. Also, one of my podcast sponsors, uh, getcheeks.com, they have incredible porn. Incredible porn. I highly recommend it. Okay, next question. Why is it that I only get male crushes, but I can only masturbate to lesbian porn as straight porn disgusts me? Exactly, because most straight porn is disgusting. Um... The woman looks dead behind the eyes or she's looking at some guy in the corner who's telling her what to do um, and her moans are not genuine and we know when they're not genuine and it's just, she's extremely vocal, he's quiet, not saying anything. Uh, whereas in lesbian porn can be the same when it's directed by men but also a lot of the time with lesbian porn it's more intentional. So if you identify as a straight woman you like lesbian porn, it might be that you like how, con- how careful and more considerate they are with each other's pleasure. That could be a thing. Okay, on to the next question. Can I be bisexual without wanting to sleep with women? Yes, because lots of people experience attraction in different ways. Um, you might be incredibly romantic, romantically attracted to women. Um, there's asexual, there's aromantic, there's all sorts of different uh, types of ways to be attracted to people. Okay, on to the next question. What's your favourite thing about Plymouth? My favourite thing about Plymouth is that you can walk everywhere. Uh, you can walk most places. It's very... Everyone is so cheerful. The cashiers are cheerful. There's more of a sense of community just by virtue of it being a smaller town than London. Um, I miss that sense of bumping into people that you know on the street. Um, I get that in London sometimes, but not a lot really. On to the next question. Is there a fiction book you've read or listened to that helped you dive deep into or understand feminism better? No. No. I didn't read a lot of fiction during my feminist uprising journey. It was, it was just like constant nonfiction, constant facts, constant lessons. A lot of memoirs have though, um, and just a lot of a lot of books written about people's stories. Uh, Maya Angelou's books. Oh my fucking god! Completely rocked my world, like down to my bones. Rocked my world. Maya Angelou's books. Read those. Okay, next question. Hey Floss, I want to know your opinion on casual sex and whether it's something you personally enjoy. And if so, do you approach it or feel differently when it's with men as opposed to women? I've really enjoyed exploring this part of my life, but it's also made me question many things about myself with regards to male validation. I have also since been questioning how much more difficult it is to be intimate with a woman when, in my opinion, there is no easy, societally predetermined way of navigating and getting with a girl. Like, when I'm flirting with a boy, it feels so easy to play into what they want. But when I'm with a girl, I get nervous and lose all confidence. Well, this is the thing. When you have the script, you know your role. So with a woman, you have no role. So it's like, oh, who's going to be the more dom- dominant one? Who's going to fuck who? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be you? Um, also, within the queer community, you have those like identifiers of being like a top or a bottom or a verse or whatever. So like it's also with girls, with gay men, they say it like before they even meet. Are you a top or a bottom? And that will literally determine whether or not they go on a date. But with queer girls, in my experience, you don't ask each other that. You don't ask, are you a top or a bottom? That's been my experience. No one's ever really asked that. Um, So when it gets down to having sex, um, it's usually just like who gets there first. (laughs) That's been my experience with it. Yeah, I'm not going to go into my personal relationship with casual sex. Um, but th- the the gist of it is that I kind of d- I do what I want, and sometimes that's not having sex with someone, sometimes it's taking things slow. Um, but then sometimes it is having casual sex because that's exactly what I want in the moment, and I have no shame about that. Um, I completely understand that as a bi person it's completely different with men. Um, it's been a while since I've been with a man sexually, as I can't really speak about that. Uh, but yeah, I would say um, g- just talk. Because there is no predetermined script, it means making it up as you go along, and that's really fucking fun. It means you get to be more of who you are. Um, And it sounds here like you've been so used to fitting into a role as opposed to creating one. So I know that sounds intimidating, but learn how to create your own fucking role, because you, you will eventually get more enjoyment out of it, instead of just slotting in to what you've been told is supposed to feel good by heteronormative ways of having sex okay on to the next question who was your childhood female character crush Hmm. you know victorious you know is it jade in victorious with the dyed hair i really fancied her i really fancied her um also is it penelope cruz and james bond i really fancied her um, they had some ste- steamy sex scenes and I just remember falling so heavy for her. Who else? I think I just had a general awe for women in movies and I didn't know that they, I didn't feel a crush at the time. Those two women I just described, I had a crush on them, but all the other women I didn't feel sexual with, I think I didn't allow myself to. It was just kind of, it just turned into this like obsession. Um, Lady Gaga, specifically. Oh, my God. I didn't know what to do with how I felt about that woman. There's a Twitter account. You can go on Twitter, and I still have an account up that I can't delete. (laughs) And it's called Lady Gaga, at Lady Gaga Love Me by Florence Given. And there's a whole post on there about um, how I wish she would knock on my door so we could be best friends. That is still up today. Uh, So go check that one out. That's my first female crush, probably. Okay, next question. Do you have any tips for me? I'm a woman going on my first date with another woman. Okay, definitely do not lie about your height. I lied about my height by guess how much on my first date with a woman? A pathetic inch. I literally lied about a pathetic inch um, on my first date with a woman. That's how insecure I felt because I wanted her to think that I was taller. And guess what she noticed? She was like, you're not that tall. And it was an inch and I never felt so humiliated in my life. So don't try and pretend to be anything that you're not. It makes for good material though. It makes for a good funny story, but just don't do that. Um, Also, don't get too in your head about impressing her. She wants wants to woo you over just as much uh, as you want to woo her over. And it's going to be so easy and gorgeous. I promise you. Also, don't be afraid to touch her hands. Or, like, touch her shoulder or something like that. Because there's nothing worse than being in, like, a tennis match of back and forth talking where neither of you make a move and then you get the text the next day saying, I wish I kissed you last night. Don't do that. Don't be afraid to make the first move. The worst that can happen is she pulls away. That's literally it. Okay? You're both there for a date. So feel out the vibe and don't be afraid to make a move. And definitely do not lie about your height and be pathetic. (laughs) okay next question how do i get over the guilt and loneliness of breaking up with my boyfriend okay the guilt part um this again i've got no context of this i don't know why you would feel guilty but there is residue and guilt of guilt in every breakup particularly if you're the one who made the breakup decision um you feel like you're betraying them you're betraying that the years that you've put together or how, however long it is um it can also feel really selfish can't it that's why a lot of women stay in relationships because the worst thing that we could be seen as is selfish so how to deal with that uh remind yourself of why you left Um, talk about it with your friends. I know you're asking me now this question. That might be because you don't want to ask your friends. Please tell your friends. They will probably all feel exactly the same. This is why women stay in a lot of relationships longer than we should or want to. It's because we just feel so guilty if we're responsible for everyone's feelings around us, and we kind of learn over time that it's probably a lot safer to just keep everyone around us happy. But you do not need to do that. Your happiness matters too. Just please remind yourself of that. Your happiness matters too. And by staying in that relationship, if it wasn't the person for you, you're not, you're telling yourself on a cellular level that your happiness does not matter. So just remind yourself of that. Okay, the next question my friend is dating a really manipulative guy. How can I help her? So Dr. Romani always says that you can't ever really point out the manipulative person's behavior. You need to point out how your friend has changed. So if your friend has stopped doing things that she loves, you need to point that out to her. Um, You kind of need to help the person come to their own senses about the things because if you accuse the person that she loves, of being manipulative and controlling, you'll likely drive her further into his arms. That's what I've learned. Okay, last question. I've just been dumped. Do you think I need to rant to him or should I just cut him off? Oh, babes, cut him off. Cut him off because if you rant to someone about dumping you or rejecting you, it can backfire. The The person could screenshot it, put it in their group chats, um, laugh at you, whatever. The point is you cannot change this person's mind. And so you can do all the shit chatting with your besties you can talk about it with your besties you can make it into art you can do all of that stuff but you he does not deserve to see you out of character and he does not deserve to get you into that place I would just block him Well, we've got time for this week but i will be back with another batch of ask floss next week and i can't fucking wait love you bye